My name is Charles Riney. I'm, I'm here to introduce a special friend, Ron Harris. I've known for many years. So, I want to thank you guys so much. Charles, thank you for your kind introduction. And, uh, um, but I want to thank you for the opportunity to come share. Anytime I sub for a Sunday school class, I'm always a little bit intimidated. And uh, subbing for Dr. Cliff Sanders, I mean, my goodness, how do you do that? Those are tremendous shoes to fill, so I'm not even going to try to do that. But this morning, I want to share with you guys the work that he has done in me and continues to do in me that started 31, almost 32 years ago. But I want to take you guys back to that moment in time. And uh, so in 1985, I just graduated from OU. I married the love of my life, Deanne. And uh, uh, I had the privilege of having a client, one of the original founders of Federal Express, as a client of mine. And I was traveling all over the country as his contract CFO. And I must admit, for a 25-year-old, I probably didn't handle it all that well because I was definitely caught up in the world and certainly in my work. I, uh, I was raised by two of the godliest parents that a son could ever be blessed with. My sister's here today. She'll agree. And, uh, uh, but I got away from my faith as I went to college. Things became more important, such as work and things of this world. And uh, so a verse that man, meant so much to me when I went through this season is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. So do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And that was really true. That was, that was who I was. And uh, so taking you back to August 2nd, we, uh, the flight went well. We were entering the DFW airspace, and all of a sudden we went in rotation. Just so happens my client, Bill Lackey, was the very first pilot for Federal Express. In fact, that was one of his contributions when he was one of the first four employees. And so we noticed there was a storm out, outside the plane. And uh, we were going around the airport in rotation with other planes, and all of a sudden, our plane broke out and decided it was going to land. So our target was runway 17L. And there was a huge wall cloud that stood between the airport and 17L, so much so that the pilots couldn't see it visibly. The storm was fast developing, incredibly intense. Um, and he flew through the wall cloud. Well, that usually is something that most pilots won't do as they're approaching a, a runway. The other thing that happened, and it's on the cockpit voice recorder, is the pilot even made mention of the fact there was lightning coming out of the wall cloud, which that's strike two. And unfortunately, on the other side of the wall cloud was this huge microburst or wind shear. So our plane entered that microburst, and all of a sudden, pitch or the attitude of the plane changed rather dramatically. Years later, I would see the reenactment of, the, of all of the dials in the, in the, in the cockpit. For you pilots, I'm going to butcher this up, by the way. But 
the wind direction wrapped all the way around, I believe it was almost two complete times and then spun back around. And when we entered that wind shear, the plane dropped rather dramatically. And you could hear the screams on the plane. Captain Rudy Price gave it the throttle and gave it all she had and got the nose of the plane up. But unfortunately, we touched down right on Highway 114 that runs around DFW. And I didn't realize it at the time, but 25 years old, and uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but I raised up for some reason. We were in the crash position. And I looked out my window. There were cars that were going underneath the plane at that time, and we were sitting right on top of 114. I still remember I could see the horror on their face and look in their eyes from my seat. What I didn't realize at the time was we were claiming our first victim. One of the engines on my side of the plane sheared a car in two, and unfortunately the driver died. Captain Price would get the plane to the edge of the airport property, and when he did, the plane blew up immediately. It was on fire. You could hear the plane coming apart. As we came upon and started to approach then the area where runway 17L is, unfortunately our plane impacted a couple of water tanks that were there on the edge of the property. I don't know if you guys flew into DFW and saw those dented tanks for years. They finally replaced them. When they did, the plane disintegrated the front two-thirds of the plane. People look at pictures from time to time. They say, hey, Ron, out of that tail section of the plane, which is all that was left, where were you sitting? And I have to point to about 10, 15, 20 feet in front of nothing because the plane blew up. There were only two of us that lived in the front two-thirds of the plane. That's where all the fatalities were claimed. All told, there were 235 people on board and only 28 of us lived. And out of all the, I'm sorry, 165 on board. And out of all of this carnage, I was ejected out of the plane and came to face down the runway, still strapped in my seat next to my client. I had the top of my slacks on and the top of one shoe in my underwear, and that was all. I got burned over 60% of my body, my left leg almost completely severed. I don't want to go into the injuries because I think that that's not the important story. The important story is when an accident happens to you in your life or you face challenges of any kind, the real question is, where do you lean? Who do you depend upon? And the most amazing thing happened at that time. I call it my runway moment. I was face down on the runway, or on the side of the runway. And the storm, I was only out for a few minutes. I don't remember any of those injuries, thank goodness. The storm was still rearing its head. In fact, more than likely that storm was right over us and me at the time, since we had just flown through it. The winds were still clocked at 85 miles an hour. Big, huge pieces of debris were blowing around like tumbleweeds. The hail was coming down. It was about bigger than your fist. And I sunk back up 
under the back of the seat. And it was at that time as I looked around the site, I was in the middle of obviously a war zone. And the Holy Spirit returned to me in a, in a powerful and mighty way. Um, and I call this my runway moment. For you see, he had me right where he wanted me. He had me face down on the runway, humbled, stripped of everything of this world. And that's where he did his greatest work in me and started doing it at that time. And I'll never forget that moment because somehow or another the Holy Spirit convinced me to give all that to him. I can't explain why. It wasn't like I was walking in step with him at that time other than we know the power of the Holy Spirit. It never leaves us. We just leave it, don't we, occasionally when we go through seasons in life. And as I looked around the scene of the crash, I realized there's no way I could handle this. I wasn't old enough. I wasn't spiritually mature enough. And yet the Holy Spirit said, hey, Ron, my yoke is light. Give that to me. And he took all that from me. <clears throat> all those images are still just as vivid today as they were back then. I've never had a nightmare, never had a bad dream. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, not real sure how much time I have. So I don't know if we're on cliff time, Ron time, or what time we're on. So, so are we good? Okay. So I want to share with you guys some, some other special experiences. And uh, uh, God is so amazing in the way he shows up. And uh, one in particular uh, I want to share with you guys. You know, our God is so big, and we, sometimes we make him small. We think our obstacles in life are bigger than our God for some reason. So when we pray, we pray sometimes timidly. We don't think about just how big our God is. It was about three years after the plane crash, and my wife and I decided it was time to start a family. So we, we started, we tried, and to no avail. So it didn't look like we were going to be able to have our own child. So we went ahead and uh, engaged, registered, and went through the process at the Edna Gladney home in Dallas. We were coming up that list. We were just a two, two spots away from being able to adopt a child. And my phone would ring. On the other end was a guy and a friend of mine that introduced me to Bill Lackey, the founder of Federal Express that I was on the plane with that day. He says, hey, Ron. He says, I'd like to come over to Oklahoma City and take you and your wife to lunch, and I want to introduce you to my wife. And I said, well, Jerry, I, I was just in Shawnee six months ago, and I was with you and Dale. He said, well, I want to introduce you to my new wife. And I said, really? I said, are you kidding me? Now, Dale was wife number four. And uh, I, said, I said, Jerry, you, I would just talk to you and was in your home six months ago. And you've already remarried. He said, yeah, Ron, you can do that when you marry your divorce attorney. And so, <laughs> so Jerry's on wife number five, and he came over to Oklahoma City. And so Deanna and I and, and Jerry and Jenny went to lunch. And Jerry and I were talking on one side, and 
Jenny and Deanne were talking on the other, and those of you that know Deanne know she's pretty private. She doesn't share a lot. And uh, yet she told Jenny where we were in our adoption process and everything, and she said, hey, Jenny, if you run across a baby, just keep us in mind. Keep in mind we're praying for one child. So the phone would ring. Three days later, on the other end of the phone was Jenny. Hey, Ron, this is Jenny. Hey, Jenny, how are you? Got you a baby. <laughs> she said, excuse me? Got you a baby. I'm stuttering. She said, you better get your legs underneath you. You're getting ready to be a father. So needless to say, we were elated, and sure enough, we're going through the process there, and things are going great. It just a few months later, however, God wasn't done. I was working early one morning at home. The door opens, and my wife have never been late, you know, to the 1058 service at crossings. Don't tell her I said this, by the way. But she's never up early. The door swings open. It's about 7 o'clock in the morning. She goes, we're pregnant. <laughs> so God had double provision for us. That, and uh, what a gift. Uh, what a gift that was. Um, and it just goes to show you how big our God is. Here we had given up, didn't think we were going to be able to have children. And yet, he showed up not once, but twice in a big way. So Haley and Misty are beautiful daughters, and we're so thankful for them. And they're clearly a gift from God. So I want to share with you guys uh, one other quick thing that's, that, uh, uh, that happened and... Uh, and I, I'd always point back to this because it was a, a time, once again, when I think the Holy Spirit showed up because my family needed a lift. And so we, they took me to, believe it or not, to a DO hospital in Bedford, Texas, drove me 35 minutes away in an ambulance. And I wish we had the slideshow because uh, there's actually a picture of me in Newsweek. And... Uh, why they took me off of a helicopter that was heading for Parkland and decided I need to go to a DO hospital 35 minutes away is beyond me, and we know it's all obviously part of his special plan. But two days later, after being there in Bedford, I'd worn out my welcome, and they had done about all they could do for me, and they came to my bedside, and they said, hey, Ron, if it'd be okay, we'd like to fly you on a medical leader to Oklahoma City the Baptist Medical Center. They've got a burn floor there, and they can care for you. And they read my lips as I mouthed the words, no thanks, I'd rather walk. And, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so we, uh, we tried to keep our sense of humor. And, uh, you know, my parents were godly, godly folks. And all the way down to Dallas, when they were coming down there to see what had happened to me, mother would stop and have to get water and she probably was in a little bit of shock herself and she, everywhere she stopped she'd ask people to pray for her son so I stand before you obviously the subject of answered prayer and uh, it uh, that's why I love getting up and sharing because I get a chance to, to revisit the fact that God is so incredibly good and it's just uh, just amazing. A few years ago, a client of mine 
got a copy of the book that I wrote to give away when I go speak. And uh, uh, his controller, who I worked a lot with, had, had shared that with him. And so I'm working in my study at home about 11 o'clock at night, and I look down there, my phone's buzzing. And I look on the screen, and it's this client of mine that's in about his mid-70s. And I thought, well, gosh, Gary must be pocket-calling me. So I picked the phone up, Gary? And he, his voice was cracking, and he told me, he says, hey, Ron, I want to let you know I, I borrowed your book, I hope that's okay, from Debbie, and I read it, just finished it. And his voice was cracking because he shared with me that a son of his about my age in 19, just about 1985, had passed away. So he would go on to share with me some of those personal experiences he had with his son and just how beautiful those were. And he said something to me that impacted me. And he said, you know, Ron, all of us had a little plane crash happen to us at one time or another in our lives, and it's really true. You know, we know there's a couple seasons in life if you can be kind of absolute, and I guess accountants are that way. And uh, we're either in the right place at the right time, everything's going well, we have no complaints, and this can be in different aspects of your life, and or you're in another season. And the obstacles you face and challenges you face sometimes appear to be insurmountable. And I stand before you having gone through those seasons and I can tell you that leaning on our faith and leaving on, leaning on our God and our Savior is clearly what we're supposed to do, particularly as believers. So I know there's many prayer requests in this chapel and in this church and even beyond our church this morning. And uh, I can honestly tell you the, the, the power of prayer is amazing, isn't it? I know you all can as well. I know there's many stories in this, in this chapel as well. And, uh, uh, and I stand before you to celebrate the fact that we worship a victorious God. Amen. Amen. So, wow, but no props. Um, I'll answer any questions that you guys have, and I do have a few books up here. I'm not sure how many I've got, and if we need to drop some more on you in a couple of weeks, I can certainly do that. But if, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. I don't know anybody that's been in a plane crash, so I always get all kinds of questions. And one of the reasons why Deanne's not here is one time she showed up because she's so emotional about this to hear me speak. And I was so hoping this question would get asked because I had it all rehearsed. And someone said, what was the first thing you remember when you came to? Hey, I'm sharing a lot of things with you guys. You can't tell Deanne I'm sharing with you. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, they said, what's the first thing you remember when you came to? And I said, well, I heard my wife's voice. But it was kind of muffled. And she's in, in fact, we were in Deidre's room, I think. I think that's where it was. And, uh, but her voice was kind of muffled. I couldn't hear it for the pillow that she had over my head as I was coming to. She was so disappointed I was going to make it. So, and, <laughs> and she shot me right after that. So, so anyway, that's why she's not here. But anyway, if, if you all have any questions, I get asked all the time, do you fly again? And how long did it take you? And that's a, 
That's a quick story, and God's got an incredible sense of humor. I wait five, almost six years to fly again. And finally, I get asked to uh, go speak in Georgia, and I tried to think of my schedule. I was going to jump my car, drive all night, get up and, and speak as a business conference. And I realized I didn't have enough time. So I said, okay, I'm going to fly. I didn't even think to ask the lady. This was years ago, by the way, before 9-11. didn't even think to ask the lady any, any logistics or anything. She said, I'll just overnight you the tickets. So the tickets come and I look at them. Sure enough, I'm flying through DFW. I thought, well, good. We'll go ahead and get both these bogeys off the list. And, uh, and so we, I got to the airport and... And I, I've only had one real dream about the accident, and that was flying again. And I had this dream that I would pop the buckle on the seatbelt and stand up and run off the plane. And, but that didn't happen. But we stayed in our seat on the runway at the gate for like 45 minutes. You know, you got no air conditioning or anything else. It's getting hot, and the pilot comes back on and says, things are a little backed up down there at DFW. It'll be a little while. And so an hour, another hour goes by. The plane starts taxiing away from the gate. I still remember the pilot's words. He says, whew, wow, that was quite a doozy of a storm they had in Dallas. Why, the airport's been closed for wind shear, hail, strong thunderstorms, wind blowing about 55 miles an hour. And uh, I'm going, really? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I drive so bad, I've got to start flying again. I'm scared to drive myself across, across the country. And it's really true. Um, but anyway, if anyone has any other questions, we'd be more than happy. Yeah. Uh, you talked about being face down on the runway, mm -hmm. and you heard from the Holy Spirit. What did you hear? Oh, very good. So the question was, you speak of being face down on the runway and feeling and listening to the Holy Spirit. What did you hear? And uh, first of all, I heard, well, first of all, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're all alone out there and you're, you're not sure if your buddy you'd been flying with had, had lived and you're in the middle of all this carnage, a peace came over me that I cannot explain. In fact, that peace enveloped me to the point that I guess I told the, the, uh, assist, the uh, paramedics and whatnot that were loading me on the helicopter, oh, I'm fine, just got a little just got a little paper cut over here or something. I have no idea why they didn't put me on the helicopter. But I felt his presence. And I felt his presence that I had felt before as I was younger. So then he had me where he needed me. And he told me at that moment in time, your life has changed. I didn't really understand that. and wasn't sure what to do with it. Uh, I spent years... And I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still a work in process. Uh, but uh, I'd like to stand before you and say, hey, I had that road to Damascus moment, you know, that Paul had. But it wasn't exactly that way. But I knew, obviously I knew that it was an incredible miracle that, that I was spared. And not, not so that the others... Uh, didn't deserve that. But I just, I felt, uh, I almost felt a burden there too. My sister, other friends will tell you, I've never complained about being in this plane crash and I won't. 137 people would love to take my place. And, uh, and I won't do that. I never shed a tear. Although, as I get older, here I stand before you sniffling every now and then. So, 
I'm half the man I used to be, but that happens when you grow up in a house full of women. Um, but, but, I, but I thank you for your question. That's a great question. I, I do get asked that. And I don't want to be the guy that says I, I heard his voice, but he was there that day. So I think it's about time to wrap it up. So thank you guys so very, very much. And like I said, I got some books over here and love to give those away. Thank you.